Welcome everyone to I am one of your hosts, Bryant, with my permanent guest, Cammie. Hey, Cammie. What up? Hey, Bryant. How are you? You know, I've been better. I've had better days than today. <laughs> Cammie bailed me out of a car trouble. But it's okay, because we're here, we're ready to do a podcast, and we have a very fun, interesting topic. Uh, Cammie, how did this come to you? Tell, can you tell us and, and where you got it from? Um, Did I tell you when I texted you? Because I do not remember. Really? Yeah, oh, I I don't think you did. I I it just kind of came out of the blue. I, I think maybe you found it. Did you find yeah, it during Halloween? I think, stuff? Maybe I found it researching or something. I, I don't remember. That must have been it. That's funny. Well, it's the Bisclavre story, which comes from Marie de France, which um, actually may not even be her name, but I'll talk about that soon. It's a uh, a decidedly um, French sounding poem, but it comes from the uh, Bretonic world um, from basically like the old Celtic um, people based in Cornwall and sort of like how the King Arthur stories are these old, uh, you know, native, because you've got like the people of Wales and Cornwall and they're, they're unique, different cultures with their own kind of languages. They're all kind of from Celtic, but there are these great stories that came from it too, like King Arthur. But, like how King Arthur became really popular during this period, this is the like the 12th to 13th century uh, medieval Europe. Um, these these French people were like, we need new content, and they were like, well, those you know, Britonic people had really cool stuff. Let's change it up, and that's what Marie did. She wrote a bunch of stories, and so this is a it is it's it's a, a fun werewolf story is the way to put it, but it's not as devious as it should have been for like October. So it, I think it'll be fun. <laughs> But you've got the story for us, right, Cammy? In I do, 12th yeah. century French, you're going to recite it, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or how, even better, in Cornish or uh, 6th century BC Breton. How about that? No, but go ahead. All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, why don't you regale us with your story, and then we'll have a little discussion on it. Okay, sure. So um, I use the lace of <clears throat> the werewolf. And they do accredit it to uh, Marie de France. The opress.cu mm. is where I got that from. And there was also a lovely um, spoken version of it on YouTube. Mm. And it's called The Lay of the Werewolf by Marie de France. And it's uh, from Best Library. So cool. if you want to hear the actual story recited in English, not in <laughs> these ancient languages... You can. In the land of Brittany, many years ago, before dragons had been banished from the earth, there was a handsome and strong baron who was very loved by all. He was an ideal servant to his king and was very loved among his peers. His wife and he lived happily for many years. Her only complaint was that he would leave once a month in the middle of the night and would not return for many days. She finally grew so tired of him that she confronted him on where he was going. She thought he had found another lover and was meeting them during these nightly hours. Though he didn't want to confess, he felt he had to to save his marriage. He told her that he was not going off to meet a lover, but rather to become a wolf. He told her the entire process of taking off his clothes and hiding them so that he could change back to human form when he put them on again. Without his clothes, he said, he would remain a wolf forever. The wife, upon hearing the confession of her husband, was distraught and fearful. She turned to the arms of a knight who had sought her hand in marriage before she had met the baron. 
She devised a plan to take her husband's clothes the next time he went off to become a wolf and hide them well so that she could pronounce him missing and marry the knight. Her lover retrieved the clothes and brought them back for her to hide. Then they went about their business while the Baron was stuck in wolf form. Many months passed and no search parties could locate the missing man, so the lady and the knight were allowed to marry. It was around a year after his disappearance that the king happened to be out on a hunt when his dogs cornered a large wolf. The wolf, seeing the king approach, bowed to him. The king was so impressed that he bought he brought the animal home and treated him as though he were a cherished pet. For many months, the beast was seen being very docile to the humans around him, but that ended one day during a banquet the king was throwing. The very night who had taken the baron's clothes was in attendance, and he was immediately attacked by the wolf. The king pulled him off before he could do much harm, but could not help but think the knight had somehow wronged his pet. The next week, the king went out on a hunt in the forest where he found the wolf. He brought his companion with him, and they had great success in their pursuit. Come nightfall, the king took lodging at the house of the missing baron's wife. As soon as the wife greeted her king at the door, the wolf attacked and bit off her nose. The king was able to contain his pet, but he re was reminded by his counsel that the knight that the wolf had attacked was her husband, and they must have done some unspeakable wrong to this wolf to be for him to be so ready to attack them. The lady and her knight were taken in by the guards and tortured until they revealed their awful truth, and they told the guards where the clothing was. So the wolf was taken to the king's chamber and given his clothes to put on, and after a few minutes the king came into his bedchamber, and there lay the baron upon the king's bed. So happy to see the baron again, the king picked him up and laid hundreds of kisses upon him. The baron's wife was taken out of the kingdom with her knight, and to this day the children of those two wretched souls, mostly beasts themselves, are born without a nose. <laughs> I love how that yeah, becomes a genealogical trait of <laughs> mean to werewolves. Yeah, this is this is really cool. Uh, I've always been really fascinated by Brittany, the, the country. Like, it's like the very northernmost tip of France I want to say I believe kind of connecting to the channel to England and that uh, one it's significant because when um, the Anglo-Saxons and like Jutes and stuff invaded England uh, during like just after the time of Rome the of Rome so like, what is that 4th century BC I want to say right or my or 4th AD you're the history expert I know I know it's <laughs> gotta be 4th AD right oh well when when they so you know the Romans had come the this Romano British culture these these Celtic peoples had been living there for hundreds and hundreds of years they weren't the ones that made Stonehenge and stuff but they'd been living there for a long time and they they mixed with the Romans but then the Anglo Saxons come and they're like we gotta get out we can't do this because there's no Romans here to protect us and a lot of them which uh, Brittany was kind of already like you know they'd already been sailing and it was really easy to get there but they had made this cool culture and of course France in this time was doing its own thing. Um, building its own culture. And so there's this really cool infusion of this like Celtic uh, British Island people and France. And this is just like a cool culmination of that. That's, that's how I'm really like interested in it. And that's, yeah, the Breton um, is sort of where we, we get the, the peoples, the, the, the language. It's still spoken a little bit in um, Brittany today, uh, but it, it comes mostly from Cornwall and it's uh, a language. It's more related to um, Cornish, um, but uh, all these languages, I think, stem from the, the Celtic kind of, you know, thing. So like where we get Gaelic and all that, it all, they're all kind of this, that's the head of the tree and has its its roots go down. And Marie de France, so 
like I said earlier, we don't really actually know too much about her. We she was in some sort of popular court, um, and um, King Henry the Second of England was aware of her. Uh, his royal court was so so like the she was big in in the aristocratic circles. I guess her works were, and this is uh, Henry the Second of England was like a I can't remember how many generations into the Norman you know part, but at this point again we have this really cool infusion of English British. And French going on, and that's that's you know I, I think a lot of people are aware of that, and this is really like a big uh, part of that. So she was uh, born around 1160, died around around 1215, and she wrote the stories which are more commonly known as lay, and it's it's uh, L A I, um, very French word, and this word we don't uh, it comes from from a Breton word Breton lay same essential word and we believe it comes from old high german uh the word leich meaning play melody or song or even an irish word which i it's it's spelled like laid l-a-i-d but who knows who knows we should have asked Debbie. yes yeah we should have yeah i don't know if d's or d's in irish <laughs> but but it would make sense these you know the celtic peoples were nor- like northern european peoples before they ended up you know, landing on the island, the British islands. And so there's, there's some old, you know, language intermingling for thousands of years going on there that could come around, but it's just wild to see it happen here. But she was very, her stories were really great. And, and she, she took these old, old stories, much like how Arthur was an old story. And she kind of brought them to new life in the courts. Now, (laughs) um, I definitely didn't go through all that was available, but this apparently is a much discussed English uh, assignment in many classes across the world because you can find tons and tons like all the the like course hero and gradesaver.com and all these like things have summaries with ads that are like blaring at you and they're pretty fun there are there's a really there's a ton of cool I mean there's there's tons to wrap away from this remember like so this was it, it kind of is like a, a lot of the other stories that we have from from these areas where because like the the old Bretons weren't writing down their stories, the these you know French court courtiers these these people ended up kind of infusing like modern ideas into them. You know, a lot of what we have with Arthur, like it, it's kind of asynchronous historically with what it would have been like when he was around. Actually, if if it was that way, so it's just kind of funny to see. But it, it's wild. I mean, she she was extremely talented. The stories are are like pretty, you know. You, you like like that YouTube video I bet you is is probably it's it's not too hard to like follow and listen and enjoy uh, a translation a modern translation of it today um so yeah Marie de France though it wasn't until 1581 that a French scholar um Claude uh, Fauché actually even called her that um it it kind of comes from certain things like their their ideas but she never it apparently looks like specifically said that her name was that uh, there's a lot of guesses that historians have that she was um and and there was a lot of abbesses that they pin it on because she wrote these um was it the 12 lay she wrote quite a few of these um stories and what uh english kids will be studying in college this semester i'm sure somewhere so they're they're all part of the, her her lays and and it's a very common like kind of style of story uh, and and this one was just in particular was really popular it was translated um into old norse um and it kind of it circulated all the way to iceland and was adapted into a, a an a, its own like saga um almost so it it 
it became really popular and got some essentially spinoffs. I'm thinking like comic book, like, you know, modern stuff today and how like that disseminates and changes and you've got all these things kind of going off of it. Um, what's oh, another big thing, though, and is that many scholars believe that she's the first woman known to write in f- what they what Wikipedia kind of notes francophone verse. So I guess like uh, modern French, it probably is pretty easy to to read her writings if you know French it might sound a little awkward I I guess you could say it's like reading Shakespeare it's a little awkward but you can kind of make it out in a way and and again the stories really hold well um like what you know uh the analyses that I've seen and what Cammy's saying is the story is pretty straightforward Bisclavre it's an old Breton word for werewolf but she specifically uses the Norman French word garwolf for like vicious werewolves and bisclavre also in the story the b is capitalized so it's a proper noun so we, we we assume it's his name it's who he is but it's it's like saying like oh he's he's a specific and unique person and i think there's some you know classic disney like lessons you can kind of get from this you know like don't steal a werewolf's clothes <laughs> and and I, I but it's fun like don't accuse your husband of cheating if you're the one doing it yes <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's that was from snow white right oh yeah yeah that that yeah it, it's it's pretty fun um yeah the the lay of mary de france 12 short narrative breton lay and uh so it's it's really cool it's yeah it's got oh so it was written in anglo-norman it was very um yeah very very uh, modern vernacular for like the time, you know, like she wasn't writing it in Latin and stuff like that. It was, I think it was supposed to be very approachable. And that's why like uh, King Henry II's court was like talking about it because it was circulated um, pretty well. And it would have been easily, it would have been easy for it to get down there. Um, so yeah, like this, I, I think it kind of came, uh, there's a, a scholar, Jack Zipes, um, he's written uh, on this in, in Arthurian legends. Um, they try and trace how they come from Wales, Cornwall, and Ireland to Brittany. That's kind of like where it filters. There's like a, a cone that it goes through, and Brittany's really where it comes. And I think like Mary de, de France was just someone who was able to really strike the iron while it was hot. She these really good stories that she kind of modernized. It makes me think of Homer, you know, like Homer's stuff wasn't super original, but he just was like, oh yeah, I got all this great mythology. I'm going to... He wrote it down and that's what's important. <clears throat> right, yeah. That's how we share things through. <laughs> yeah. He spoke to the lawyer, got the trademark and <laughs> right. nailed it. So yeah, I, I again, like I've I've been listening, I mentioned her before, I've been listening to Jennifer Pactons. I, I, this is a, over the summer, I think it was like June, July, but she had these really awesome Celtic world lectures and things like that. And so I, I really learned a lot about um, the movement of that culture and just kind of like how, so I think I think what I want to kind of um, point out is like this story, the Bisclavre story, it's, it's a it's a definitely got a lot of changes to it, but it's sort of like how, how Thor and Odin are super old and, and deep and, and they're in the sagas um, for, of Snorri Snurlson, who was a fifth, 14th century dude, you know, Christian, but he was writing these stories down. I think it's kind of, that's the kind of the comparison I'd like to make. These super old stories that are timeless for these cultures that, you know, in this case, the a Gaelic Bretonic culture that was based around Cornwall, um, but then was sort of breathed new life just by being put into Anglo-Norman and these courts, uh, the Anglo-Norman courts being interested in, in, in those stories and, and things like that. So yeah, really great story. Um, I, I'm surprised it's not, I don't know. I'm surprised there's no movie with Johnny Depp 
that's all you know like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like i'm supply like i'm really kind of like kenneth why isn't kenneth Branagh like directing a movie starring him and johnny depp where <laughs> he's the bisclavere and he has to kiss johnny depp i don't know sounds like a great idea to me kenneth Branagh. when you're done with your poir <laughs> when you're done with your poirot movies we know he listens so. yeah <laughs> Anything Poirot, you know, he'll tap into it. He's doing the new the new movie for it. But yeah, so uh, I, I I thought this was a really fun uh, section of the world to kind of uh, look into. And the, all, all of <laughs> it, her work is in the free domain, so you can take a look at it online. It's been a few hundred years, so she won't attack you for it. But um, I'm just surprised at the anonymity, and, but I'm also surprised at how well it holds up even today. Uh, so I, I think it's it's really great for those reasons. I'll try and link if you can remind me or help me write down. I'll link that YouTube video for um, okay that story. So yeah, I I think that covers what I've discovered with it. Did you want to add anything else? No, I think I'm good. Awesome. Well, thank you for your stories. Always, anyone, if you have any suggestions for the show, remember mystery at gmail dot com. Mystery with an I E, not O I R. Mystoir, not that. That's what Marie de France would write, but not that miss story. But our link tree in the comments um, or in the description below, excuse me, is where you can find all of our social media and stuff like that. So uh, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Oh, oh. 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 oh.